Hey, welcome to the Buck and Bernie Show. I'm Tim Buckingham. Here with... Chef Bernard, and it's so good to be with you guys today because today we're going to talk catch and cook seafood. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we're having some beautiful weather here in Moab today, and it kind of reminds me of the ocean, the, the, the temperature and all that. Uh, and so I want to talk about how I was exposed to seafood. I was, you know, born and raised in Moab, and then my, I moved to Santa Barbara in 1984 to go to culinary school. And that was my real true exposure to seafood. And what I did, I, I got a, uh, a job. I, I took a job at a seafood restaurant there on the harbor so I could learn seafood. And it was pretty eye-opening, you know, uh, the, re- the whole variety of seafood the and you know getting the exposure and the taste was pretty phenomenal because you know my my exposure before then was uh you know local trout and and catfish from here and but mostly you know fish sticks and (laughs) you know just frozen seafood but uh what an eye opener and i just loved it from the get-go now, when you say an eye-opener, is was that when you were walking the beach or really when you were really tasting the seafood? Well, when I, uh, tasting the seafood, and, and like I said, I, I, I worked at this restaurant that was right on, uh, right on the harbor, and that's where they brought all the fish in. Yep. And I, so I was exposed to, uh, you know, the technique of uh, the fishermen would come into the restaurant to eat and, and the bar uh and so it was a great exposure to the whole the whole industry of mm-hmm. of fishing and and so yeah for me it was a little bit different because i was born on the island of jersey which is a little island between france and england and then i grew up with my family in Brittany, which is you know right in the water pretty much right on the ocean so but as we were, we were tr- coming in today, we were talking about uh, uh, the fish market that we have in Van, which is only 15 minutes drive from where I am and I live, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, when you when you go there as a chef or even as a consumer, or somebody who really loves seafood, you will spend at least an hour, at least an hour, to go from stall to stall, and you can see all the different species. I think that what we have to remember is that. Um, you know, 78% of uh, Mother Earth is covered with, uh, with a body of water, uh, oceans. And this is one of the most mismanaged part of our uh, existence, I would say, of, of the planet itself. So it's really important to, to be educated and understand what is going on in our oceans. So like this, we can make sure that everything that we do is really sustainable especially especially as chefs sustainability is key for for the future and future generations uh but i have to tell you on those diver scallops and yeah i know i know you're gonna say it he's gonna <laughs> say it you guys he's gonna say it come on oysters he did yes it did he just love oysters i love oysters yes uh but yes and i come here so i live in san diego i always have been around the uh, the the ocean so from france 
uh, moved to South America. I was in by the ocean, and then I moved in uh, in San Diego again by the ocean and working with uh, local fishermen and and also aquaculture that we have in San Diego. And then I arrive here in in the desert. I'm in Moab now, and it's right. like uh, there's no beach. <laughs> there's no and more ocean. Where anymore. is where is my fish? Yeah. So it's uh, it's a little bit different, but you have you still have a lot of lot of seafood available here, which is uh, which is really neat. Well, with modern technology, it has made it more accessible to uh, us inlanders, and uh, you know, with the modern technology of of fla- flash freezing and shipping, fast shipping, uh, we we're able to get good quality seafood uh, even in Moab. Uh, I, when I first, when I opened the Center Cafe back in 91, that was my, one of my first concerns. Could I get seafood? And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming here, I was thinking, well, you know, I'm sure I'll be able to get good quality meat and everything with ranches and everything, but I was concerned about seafood, but actually it was not a problem whatsoever. The problem was getting to sell the dishes on the inland Mm -hmm. people that come here they're not expecting fresh seafood so it's hard to sell it here even though i've seen some of the best quality seafood actually come shipped fresh here than when i was you know on the coast santa barbara well you know you look at you look at uh, some of the restaurants here um sushi restaurant for example you have a great sushi restaurant in town and when when you go there, you have you have it exactly the same quality that you would have actually in the best uh, sushi place in San Diego. But people shouldn't be shy of of frozen seafood either anymore. No, uh, I used to be. I used to like oh, shy away from oh, it's frozen. The quality's not there. But really, it is. I mean, it's it's. Uh, you know, I've read up some some of the most most of the sushi places you that you know actually will use frozen seafood. No, it has to be frozen by law. Yeah. It has to be frozen. You don't you don't even even in the best sushi place uh you know in in the United States even in the world they they just flash freeze it just to make sure that there is no um there is no uh, how do you call that no, no bugs. Yeah, in it, bacteria, you know, no bacteria or, yeah. and and, uh, and parasites. And parasites. Thank you. The word parasites. Yes. See, the Frenchmen sometimes lose that word, you know. So that's why uh, um, Tim is there to save me. <laughs> parasites. Parasite. Bug. It's not a bug. It's yeah. a parasite. Well, it's a tiny, but yeah, tiny but bug. It's, it's it's very yeah. it's very very important. Yeah. But in the meantime, you look at uh, um, what you have here. So I'm a fisherman. I love to fish, mm-hmm. and you guys have lakes. And yeah. I went into those lakes last year, and I caught some trout. So you c- you still can catch some beautiful local fish. It can be a trout, or it can be um, you know you still have also uh, some of those uh, uh, species that you have in the Colorado River. Catfish. Uh, catfish is one of them. Yes, and uh, I mean catfish. If it's a small catfish, you know, nice, clean, fried, just delicious. The older they get, the more muddier they get, though. So that's why. I I like the smaller one a my, bit better. My grandmother was a big fisherman, mm. and she would fish for catfish usually, but trout also. But uh, and she would get the the big big channel cats, mm. and 
the way she prepared them though was she would can them and so it would soften up the meat you'd make it a good texture and she would put you know sometimes she'd put soy sauce and garlic in with it to can them and she would also do the same thing with the uh, trout and so when they're canned canned trout you can eat bones and all and it's delicious it's but uh so so we talk fresh and we talk uh you know iqf which is frozen i think that let's let's go and talk about how do you select a really beautiful fresh fish so you go into a store who is selling beautiful fresh fish so they have uh, they have a few of those stores actually in grand junction where they are selling the, the beautiful delicious uh, uh seafood so how do you know uh, that your fish, for example, is going to be very, very fresh when you look at it. Right. Well, if it's a if it's like a whole fish, you want to look at uh, a couple things. Are you look at the gills. Mm-hmm. Make sure the gills are nice and bright red. Yep. You look at the eyes. Eyes should be clear mm-hmm. and you know set, not like not not like inset. They should be you know full eyes and mm-hmm. bright. And then the uh, firmness of the of the of the fish of the fish of the flesh, yeah, yeah. And the flesh need to be vibrant in color, no discoloration. So, if, for example, you know, I- you can tell when you have a salmon who is like that beautiful, uh, beautiful, fresh, uh, glistening uh, red color. There is no discoloration. If there is discoloration, or there is a, like a little film, was not. It means that that f- that fish is not fresh, um, and then the smell is going right, to smell like right. the sea. It cannot be yep. no ammonia, no strong color. Um, you know, for for steaks, you have to you know if it's uh, for example tuna, you'll make sure that it's really bright and bright, deep red. I would say you know that beautiful color, and then uh, the bloodline can be dark but cannot be brown. So mm-hmm. if you have a brown broadline, it means that that uh, fish is not fresh. And when it comes to shellfish, let's start with oysters. How do you know that your oyster is fresh? Well, uh, oysters should be closed, tightly closed. Um, and uh, same thing, again, you want to look, smell them, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's probably about the only couple ways on oysters. So... No crack or broken shells, because okay, if you right. have a crack or broken shells, it means that most likely um, that little creature is already dead or dying. Uh, when you buy it, and for example, in oysters, you want to tap on it. Mm-hmm. And if it's hollow, it means that there is no, there is no yeah. water. It means that that, uh, uh, it, that should oyster, it, it should sound died. solid, right? Yeah. Okay. And um, then, you know, and... The thing about oysters is they're actually very, very easy. To, you can buy fresh oysters, and they keep quite a while if you take care of them. Yeah. And the thing is not to drown them. Keep, keep no, them no, you, out of the water. No, what, what you want to do is to make sure that you, you, when you buy them, you put it into, let's say, a basket or a container, and you, you make sure that you... L- put it in as a layer you can put two or three layers if you want to and you put something on top that's going to press so like this they will not open and they stay nice and nice and closed like for example bushel of 
I mean, when I was a kid, we would buy bushels of uh, of oysters, and it would be like six dozen in it. And we would not keep it in the refrigerator. We keep it in the wine cellar downstairs. Oh. And then yeah. you would have the seaweed that we put right on top of it, and then we put weight on top, and then they would stay perfect. So when it comes to mussels, you want to make sure that you the mussels are all closed, and uh, they they smell really like the ocean. And then you put a damp towel on top of it. No weight, just a damp towel. And then you put it in the refrigerator. And they say really good. And same thing with the clams. I mean, yeah. it's exactly the same way. Now, how do you remove sands from clams, Mr. Tim sands Buckingham? From, sands from clams. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, you're going to have to answer that question because. I, oh, come on. I, you know how to do it. So there is a few. You purge them. That's right? it. That's yeah. exactly what you do. You purge them. Yes. Yes. And uh, and you have to make sure that, you know, you change that water a couple of times. So like this, the sands really goes on the bottom. And then you will be able to have really nice and clean clams. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a really good way to do it. Okay. So you do want clean clams. Yes, exactly. So, so it's like, you know, lobster, lobster tail. So the, the thing that people do really have to understand, do have to understand, is that Shrimp, 95% of the shrimp on the market, global market, are frozen. There is no right. really live shrimp. Yeah. So the last shrimp that you'll get, Morsaki, are from Santa Barbara. And you this, have the spotted oh, prawns. The Santa Barbara spotted oh, prawns. Oh, my God. so good. Glenn? <laughs> oh, man. But okay. the thing is, same thing. As soon as they die, the meat can get mushy really, really quick. So they have to be live, and then they have to be processed. So they have to be cooked. So, for example, when I was getting at my restaurant, you know, they will be coming in the afternoon. That night, they were gone. So I would not buy too much. I would buy maybe like 15 orders. And you know, when you have 250 people coming, I mean, it would sell very quickly. But you, if you had leftover, then it would be for me and the staff because, right. you know, they, they, they just... Die. So we have Glenn with us today, running yeah. the board for us. Thank you, Glenn, for coming in. And yeah, Glenn uh, is a Santa, part-time Santa Barbara person. And uh, so what, what? what is your take on uh, the Santa Barbara spot prawns and, and seafood? Uh, they're great. Are we going to talk about... Uh, Sea urchins and crabs? Yeah, we can get oh, to that, oh, too. Yeah, we, we <laughs> oh, you, you're no, but, but you're right. You're right. You look at... You, do now, you know? now, the spot prawns have a very short season, right? Yeah. And a very short shelf life. I mean, they're yes, like... Yes, that's what I said. I mean, There's three they days and they're done. Not even three days. Yeah. As soon as they die, most likely they're gone. So they have their cousin who uh, 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 pretty much is the same species. They're coming from Alaska. And you have spotted prawns as well from Alaska who are really, really delicious. Same. But same thing. It's very, very short, very short season, so very, very special. Yeah, and Glenn mentioned sea urchin. Oh. So my first exposure to fr- sea urchin, I remember, was was uh, working at the the restaurant on the harbor, and you, they would just bring them in by the truckloads, and then someone says, "Here, you got to try one," and just. Busted it open, and it's like... Okay, hold on. It's not busted it open. There's a technique for it. You have to you have to chisel all the way to all the top of it, the mouth, and then you just break it, you remove it, 
And then after that, you're able to remove all of this beautiful uni. Uni. Which right. is, uh, you know, all this, this super creamy, delicious uh, um, so part what, of the... Yeah. Is it the liver, the uni? Is it the liver of the urchin? Do you I don't know, that? but you can deliver it if you want to because it's really <laughs> delicious. <laughs> you can deliver it to me. <laughs> no, uh, it is delicious. You know, it but, tastes but, but, listen, but listen to this. So you look at San Diego and all that area, I mean, pretty much in front of the restaurant I was working at, the marine room, that harvest is one of the largest harvests of sea urchin in the world. And most of these sea urchin are sold in Japan. Right. Isn't that yep, unbelievable? They're all though? shipped out. That, that, that's unbelievable. So that's why I would have always sea urchin on the on the menu because it was just delicious. It is delicious. And also the uh, the, the way that you can pre- you can present them. They, I mean, some of them would be the size of a, of a um, baseball. So you just you know you just crack it, you remove it, you empty it, you get all this beautiful uh, uh, row, and then I would serve it as a salad. And it will serve the salad inside the shell of the uni with this mm. beautiful roll right on top of it. Oh, my God. That was so good. And then, yes, crab. So we're talking crab. Uh, you know, the, the, the global market right now is in crisis. Uh, crab uh, has been more scarce than ever. Um, I mean, I know I know restaurant who have removed crab cake from their menu because the price of crab went from something like eighteen dollars a pound to, let's say, thirty dollars a pound for the the jumbo. I've so, I've seen them at fifty dollars a pound now. Yeah, in, and in even even I mean, it's 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 you know we talk about global warming, we talk about uh, uh, all those things where people say no, it's not happening. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you a perfect example. It's a very simple one. There is only a few lobster fishermen left in Maine. Do you know why? Because the water is too warm, and those lobsters have migrated to Canada. So they, mm. they just have moved up. It's, it, but it's just because the water is too warm. So, yeah, same thing with the price of lobster. Lobster has been really very expensive as well. Yeah. So the, the, thing, the thing that we have is that... Uh, uh, and 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 was a challenge for a lot of people. It's just you're gonna buy this beautiful protein, right? But if you don't know how to cook it, and you ruin it, then you don't want to spend that money anymore in that in in that protein because that fish, you know, it's just like I cooked it and I messed it up and it was thirty twenty dollars a piece and oh my god, I'm not gonna do that anymore. So I think we should talk about about cooking techniques right and so, so to make uh, to pr- make everybody at ease when it comes to uh, uh, approaching for example how do you approach a a piece of salmon just simple salmon what do you do to make sure that it's going to be delicious well you have to start out with the quality you know like we spoke earlier making sure it's fresh and uh you my approach to seafood is keep it simple keep it simple and don't over flavor don't overdo it don't overcook it is the first the first thing because seafood does not have to be uh cooked that much at all um but bernard bernie you are the expert you even have a cookbook 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that yeah, on yeah. seafood. You're yeah, home. it's uh, the name of the book is Two Chefs, One Catch, and I'm the catch. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, as chefs, we think that we really know a lot about seafood, and then when you write a book and you start to do the research, you realize that you know a little bit about seafood. You know a little bit about our ocean. You know a little bit about what really is going on. And uh, it really opened your uh, horizon. And that's what happened to me. Uh, I think that when, we, uh, when you are cooking, for example, uh, salmon. We were just talking about salmon. You have to remember that you should cook your salmon medium rare. Because it's almost like another protein, like a, like a filet mignon. You need to let it rest a little bit. And the heat will carry... What we mean by that is the heat continue to penetrate as you're taking out of the pan and it, it, and it finished to cook by itself. It means that if you cook it medium rare to medium, by the time that you eat it, it's going to be completely cooked through. If you want to cook it, if you want to eat it medium rare, like I like my salmon medium rare to medium, mm -hmm. then I cook it, you know, medium rare, the rare to medium rare, and I let it sit and it, and it just, it carries, the, the heat really carries through. Um, so you treat it like a good steak. You treat it like a good steak, but, yeah. but it's a very delicate protein. Mm -hmm. So, and I agree with you. When I was an apprentice, my chef told me something who stayed with me forever. Do not torture your fish. Let it speak. What he means is that the less you do to the fish the more flavor you will be able to taste from that fish. So as soon as you are doing, for example, I mean, if you're doing Cajun spiced, um, let's say, um, halibut, the only thing you're going to be tasting is the Cajun the spice. spice. Right. You, do not, you don't taste anything anymore. So you want, to be, you want to remember that it's very, very delicate. But there's many different ways you can do it. You can do it on the grill. So for example, when I do it on the grill, and I have, uh, let's say, um, some of this uh, king salmon, you know, in Alaska. The season is like right now, so it's perfect. I like to do it onto a um, cedar plank. And you take that cedar plank and you put it on the grill. And you, when you close that grill, you kind of smoke it a little bit. So now you add a little bit of that smoking. But you do not really... Um, lose the flavor of that fish so if you're cooking let's that i love diver scallops because that i grew up with that stuff and with with a diver scallops you have to cook it medium rare rare to medium rare if you're cooking more than that then it becomes almost like medium medium well you can throw it on the wall and it's going to come back in your hand <laughs> you know it's going to be like a like, it's going to be like a tennis ball and it means it's going to be very very chewy so what we do is we sear it with a little bit of butter. So no olive oil, just a little bit of butter. And the butter foams and you put a little bit of thyme if you want to. And then you sear it on both sides and you take that butter and you just put it right on top of that scallop. And, and it caramelizes the scallops. And, it, and you let it sit and that's it. A little bit of lemon with that and, and you're done. Butter goes great with seafood. Yeah, I mean, butter and seafood is... You know, like yeah. that uh, beurre blanc, which is, you know, uh, it's a pretty much a lemon butter sauce with a little bit of white wine vinegar and, 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 and aromatics. And, you know, this is, this is very good. But you can, you can do so much. So it's like, how do you, 
And this is really interesting because how do you get crispy skin on your branzino or on your sea bass? Well, the thing that you have to do is you put a bit of salt on the skin and you let it rest for like 10 minutes. What happens is the salt brings all of the water out of that, uh, of that skin and then you pat it dry and you sear it, but you don't sear it at a heat. You sear it at medium heat because if you sear it at high heat, you burn the skin. If you sear it at uh, uh, skin down, of course, with just a little bit of uh, um, a little bit of I, I like to use grapeseed oil because grapeseed really um, works well or avocado oil because the, the it can handle high heat really nicely. So even though you have medium heat, the heat still if you use extra virgin olive oil, you'll burn that oil. With grapeseed and avocado, you don't. But you cook it for, I don't know, like five, seven minutes. But you don't yeah. start it on, on the, f- on the, on the, uh, on the, flesh, on the side. flesh side. Yeah. And then when you flip it and you put it on the flesh side, it's only, I don't know. A couple minutes. 30 s- yeah. If that. See if that. Depend on the thickness of the fish. Mm-hmm. But if it's a thin fish, you like you know it's like an inch thick, the heat will have penetrated already. So you, you look like at 30 seconds. That's it. So that, so you could do the same thing with the the trout from from here. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good way to do the trout. You know what I do with trout? But Especially trout would be like quick. Oh, you know <laughs> what I would do with trout? I would put it in foil, uh-huh. a little bit of lemon, a little bit of. You can do, I, I think that olive oil or butter, and you just wrap it in foil and just put it on the. I mean, look, if you if it's you if you're uh, in the wild and you cook camping. it. Yeah, camping. it's campfire and trout. That's it, yeah. campfire trout. It's so good. Yep. It's perfect. Yes. But, you know, the thing that you have to remember is every time that you are going fishing you n- and you catch that fish, whatever fish it is, you need to bleed the fish immediately and you need to clean it. Got it? Clean it. And then into the uh, ice cooler, in the cooler, on ice. Because otherwise, it just the meat is so fragile that something it becomes kind of weird and mushy, mm-hmm. and and he has that that weird flavor, that muddy flavor. But if you bleed the fish, then you don't have, especially the the trout, then you don't have the problem. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah and don't, right? Don't overcook. It's just poaching. I, I love poaching fish. Do you you like to poach fish? Yeah, actually. Uh, it's a great way to preserve the the freshness and and the 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 meatiness and savory of the fish, you know, because it's and you can you can poach it in different broths, and and, and that's that's a great way to uh, expose it to the flavors. Just make a good a good broth. How, how do you go about? So, so an, in France, we have turbo. You know the turbo. Turbo uh-huh, is part right. part of the family of the the, the the halibut. So what we would do is we would poach it in milk. 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 And what happens is it keep the fish super white, because I mean, Alaskan halibut is white as snow. It's so beautiful, and keep and and with the uh, protein that you have in the milk, it uh, really protect it from uh, overcooking, and drying. So it stays very, very moist. You can also do it, look at, uh, uh, in Asia, they do a lot of their fish, like pompano, in, uh, uh, cook it in coconut milk. Mm. 
So you're just cooking in the coconut milk, but the, the result is exactly the same. It's very nice and moist because that uh, coconut milk is really high in fat as well. Oh, we should oh, talk about fat fish because fat fish are the best. I love yeah. fat fish. And what I mean about fat fish is like, you know, you'd be like a cod, a barramundi. Um, well, one of my favorite is sturgeon. Which is, oh, sturgeon is good. It's delicious. That's really good. And, and that's a fatty fish. And, but it's, the flavor is just phenomenal. But chefs love those fish because they, um, they are very forgiving. What I mean by that, if you have, a, I don't know, 200 covers coming tonight, 200 reservation, and you have 100 fish to cook. You know, because they're very high in fat, they don't really overcook, which is wonderful. Mm. So, and they don't dry out. They don't no. dry out. Right. So that you can, I mean, they, they really are perfect. So if somebody is a little bit nervous about cooking fish, they, they can start with cod. And they will be successful with cod. Anything who is really of a high fat content, they will do very well. So I'm, I was wondering if that milk technique, you know, I've... I've heard of people uh, marinating catfish in milk, mm-hmm. but to actually poach it in, in milk might be something to try. But, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you have <laughs> nothing to do this weekend, uh, let's go to Tim. He's going to cook some catfish for us. <laughs> Poached catfish. Poached catfish. Yeah, so. But, you know, catfish uh, fried is really good. Right. A oh, fried yeah. catfish is so good. So on That's technique, you have braising, you have walking, so you can do a lot of... Uh, um, uh, quick cooking so walk I mean last night I didn't do walk last night but if you do stir fry for example shrimp and base scallops and so I mean it's, it cooks in a flash and you have a lot of flavors you have your soy you have a yuzu juice you have a bit of ginger and you have all your vegetables with it and all that stuff cooks really quickly and of it's very very uh, healthy as well uh, no, last night what I did is uh, and actually you tasted it today I did a risotto. So <laughs> I'm making an Asian risotto with coconut and it's like Thai style because because I, I'm kind of bored. So I was like, I'm going to do a risotto. So I tell Christy, I'm going to do risotto. And she goes, oh my God, oh, what kind of risotto? I said, Thai. She goes, oh, a Thai risotto. Yeah. So we put some shrimp with it and it's, it was really, really awesome. It but, was really good. But risotto Thank is you. fun because it's like a, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a labor of love. You take your time and you're cooking and... It's really, really good. Ah, we have a call. Welcome to the Buck and Bernie Show. How may we help you? Yes, uh, I have a question for you about um, cooking soft-shell crabs. Um, is it possible to talk about that? Oh, oh. soft-shell <laughs> crabs. You know, yeah. when oh. I came in this country, I, uh, the chef of the White House brought me in uh, Washington, D.C., and and. They had soft-shell crabs in the restaurant. And it was the first time as a Frenchman that I see those crabs. And I'm like, oh, a little crab. So how are we going to cook it? We, there's no much meat in it. And the chef says, no, 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 no. Now, the way we do it, you eat it all. And I'm like, you can eat the whole crab. So the thing you have to remember when you are cooking soft-shell crabs, your soft-shell have to be, if possible, have to be alive when you receive them. If they're because when they die, they get very, uh, they, they get very, they get bad very very quickly. So when you get your soft shell, you have to clean, remove the gills, 
and cut the uh, remove the eye so you cut the uh, cut the face off cut the face <laughs> off pretty much that's pretty much what you have to say but then there's many different ways to do it so you can um, put it with a little bit of uh, flour if you want to and then cook in butter and it's going to be really nice and a bit of uh, um, you know garlic and and uh, 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 we say parsley so that would be a nice way to do it but I like it uh, deep fry mm. I like to deep fry it light tempura goes in the in the deep fryer cooks in a flash and uh it's it's i mean i used to i used to serve that at my restaurant i would have one soft shell crab tempura i would have a crab cake with the same species blue crab and then i would serve it with a uh, sweet corn succotash it was really it was pretty awesome it was very good if you saute you have to be very careful because they do pop yes that's very true they will but even and, even and when you put them in the yeah. fryer, you yeah. have to you have to be very careful. But there's another way I like to also do it is um, you can do a pool boy. So you mm. can have like a, a really nice uh, uh, crab salad. You have a nice bun, brioche bun, for example, and then you have that social crab right on top of it. Some aioli and some tomatoes, or maybe a tomato jam or whatever, and then it makes it a really really nice sandwich. But I love soft shark, soft shark crabs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite, 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 favorite. I know. When I was first exposed to them also, I was like, what? You eat the whole thing. I and then And then I ate it. It's like, wow. <laughs> you should have seen me. <laughs> fresh off the boat. I literally, I was fresh off the boat. I was like, oh, my God. There's no way you can eat it all. And yes, it's delicious. Very good question. Thank you for calling. So, papillote. So, papillote. Papillote. Come on, tell so, us. About papillote? Papillote. In paper. In paper. Yeah, that's papillote. It's a great technique for fish uh, because it uh, it keeps all the moisture in and uh, very easy, you know. Super easy to do. Yeah. You need to have just that. Uh, uh, I like to use it. I uh, used to use uh, wax paper. You put mm -hmm. all my vegetables. And then I like to do a uh, sole. If you can get some sole, mm -hmm. some very delicate fish. I think that uh, works out. Uh, white fish definitely, defi definitely works better. A little bit, I put a always a little bit of white wine in it. Right, because it actually steams yeah. the fish. Is and what it steams you're doing. the fish. Yeah, is really, but really, really good. Yeah, that is a good technique. I haven't done that for quite some time. And then yes. you have curing. We didn't talk about curing, but I do a lot of curing. Um, uh, you know, salt, sugar, spices. You know, that's a good thing to do with. Okay, so maybe. The fish you get is not the freshest or, or anything, but, you know, you, you don't want to waste the fish, and you could still, it's still edible, but curing and smoking is a great way to, like, treat that type of fish. Like, if it's, yeah, it's know, not a, the it, freshest or not the, it, it, it can, it can save the fish, and, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's delicious, too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the I, the fish you will cure the best are fish who have a nice amount of fats or mm. salmon, for example, gravlax, which is a whole time classic. But uh, I have done it with uh, uh, with tuna as well, mm. and uh, and it works really good. I mean, you know, you do your you do your salt, you do your sugar. So I like to use a fifty fifty, and then whatever aromatics. So if you want to have it uh, with uh, fennel, you can use fennel seeds. You can mm. use a lot of fresh. Uh, uh, herbs that you grow here in the region would work very well as well. 
So, you know, you can make your Provençal, uh, your Herb de Provence mixture with all those beautiful herbs that you have around here. And then you just cure it. And, and you it can, works well. So curing, you mean, uh, you're talking about like more like pickling type? No, or just curing just, with salt, just, salt and sugar. Just like, the straight cure. Yeah, exa- the, just the straight cure. But, but you're right. You, you have could, also preserving the catch. Yes. Yeah, what, like I mentioned, uh, my grandma used to... Mm-hmm can the fish but you could also uh you know pick do a pickled fish and then of course there's uh you can smoke smoke the fish yes so let's and smoking is a good way again to preserve fish if you have a like mm-hmm. i used to you know if i caught an abundance of trout or whatever uh i used to love uh to smoke and it keeps it and it's but the thing about uh, especially trout because they are so thin you don't want to over overcook them because they will just they'll become jerky then at that point mm-hmm. you want to keep some moisture in it and well the idea is that there's two different ways to do it you can do hot smoking methods right. and you can do your cold smoking method as well so i mean the cosmic it's it's a combination of uh salt sugar uh, aromatics and a little bit of smoked liquid, for example. This would be the cold. This would be the the, the cold way of uh, uh, smoking. This is cold smoke. Right, and that keeps it a little moister than uh, yeah. than the hot smoke. And yeah. well, the thing so. I tell you that uh, where I was really really blown away. Uh, I was in Osaka, Japan, about three years ago, and uh, I went to the uh, fish market, and. Uh, um, it was very nice because I was invited by some dignitaries. So it means that I was a pretty much only, well, I was the only um, foreigner who, was, who had that, uh, that visit. And uh, I was with them. And it was about 3.30 in the morning when we went. And uh, there was a tuna auction. Yes, they and take um, their tuna very seriously in Japan. Oh, man. Mm. I mean, it was a tuna. It, it was one tuna. They sold for something like two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow! One piece, and it was a uh, weigh maybe about a hundred and sixty pound or eighty pound. But I mean, it was just like. And then uh, I was watching. Um, there was a there was a gentleman who was uh, cutting the the tuna, and he had a I would say it's almost like a saber. He had that special knife. Who, the knife had to be about the same age as the, as the gentleman. He was because he was close to a hundred years old, and it was just like just it's an art, mm-hmm. just slicing it. I mean, the, the love, the passion, the respect for the fish, you can just feel it, you know. And it was uh, so it was it was. Did you get to taste amazing. it? Yes. Oh. Yeah, so they have a uh, they have a um, uh, restaurant uh, who opens at uh, six o'clock in the morning. So I was with everybody, and they had all the sashimi come in and all the sushi and, uh, the, and all the display and everything. And I looked at everybody and say, "Can we order a bottle of sake, please?" And they look at me and they go, uh, "Chef, it's only six o'clock." And I say, "It may be six o'clock here, but not in San Diego." So we. Uh, and they are they are they are so awesome. But it was it was unbelievable. Quite really that would be quite the experience. Yeah, yeah so. they had a scallops from Hokkaido Island, which is that big diver scallops, uh, just you know snow white, just beautiful as well. And 
talking about the way that they approach their uh, seafood, very, very simple as well. Very simple. They really let that fish, that seafood, that shellfish speak. It's right. amazing. They respect the fish. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and oh, by the way, a good sushi house cuts its fish about a quarter of an inch thick. It is not a thin slice. Not the thin stuff that you Like see this, you can really here. bite into the fish or the shellfish, and you can really taste it. And you don't have to eat 20 pieces. You can eat five or six pieces, but you would be able to taste the fish. That's the difference. And that's, uh, that, was, that was really remarkable. That was really, really awesome. Well, th that's what I like about your cookbook, is that you have a section off from... You do recipes from different parts of the world, and because they treat their fish differently it, around the world. Yeah, each coastal community has their own uh, approach, technique, and um, uh, of how they will um, uh, approach that seafood. There is some month they do not touch. Um, for example, mussels or oysters, because some of those months the, they are too fatty, too creamy. It's just like it doesn't taste, doesn't taste right. And I think that if we would all pay attention and try to make sure that uh, we try some different species, I think the world would be um, better off. Mm -hmm. um, because there is tons of species that are delicious. Right. But the thing is, we are habit. We are creatures of habit. We like to only buy what we feel comfortable with. But this is where you want to uh, you, you you want to try something. You want to experiment, and and that's and, and talk to your fishmonger. Develop a good relationship with your fishmonger. He or she will tell you what's in season what's really good right now, what just arrived, what you should try, and he or she will be able to also maybe give you some recipes and some techniques. And it's important to do that when you have a fishmonger who can, you know, who can help you out. Well, and I know back when I first started cooking and in, in, in the business that we'd shy away from farm-raised uh, product like mm -hmm. salmon specifically because the technique back then was not so great but uh, they've come a long ways with with that even uh, farm raising fish uh, I don't know if you've heard of schooner bay yeah, salmon schooner is awesome it's it's an awesome yeah. farm raised salmon aura aura salmon is yeah amazing. the problem so the problem with it with, with uh, uh, and the challenges that you have with uh, um, aquaculture is that there is a lot of greed who goes into it somehow. So you have the people who really do it right. But if you do it right and you're sustainable, you're going to make sure that your feed is sustainable. The, um, the density of fish in pens is sustainable. So if those fish are humanely, uh, I would say, uh, uh, farm-raised. Um, there was there was a big problem that happened 
many years ago, maybe like 10 years ago in Chile, where they, um, they had a, an outbreak and uh, they had to really pretty much destroy, or I mean, most likely millions of fish. And it was just because it was not done right. So we are what we eat. So right. when you see color added to your salmon, right. it means yeah. that you may want to shy away from it. Right. But and by law in the United States now, you have to write down that there is color added. So color added, that color is in the feed. So what kind of feed they give them? I don't know. I just don't go there. I mean, I prefer, yeah. to, I prefer to buy something that's going to be cost me a couple dollars more. And I'm going to eat maybe a little bit less and not quite often as I would like. But in the meantime, I know it's going to be good for, for me and my family. Right. It's become more of a luxury now. I mean, too, you know, with the prices and, and the availability. But like you said, there's other, there's other, a lot of other fish out there that we should try and, yeah. and explore so, instead of just sticking with, you know, salmon, lobster, all that. Exactly. Yeah. So sustainability also is how those companies are uh, treating the waters. So the recycling of the water is the dirty water. So, so it's, it's everything. It's from the feed. It's from the beginning to the end. And it has to be sustainable. So that fish is going to cost you way more, but it's going to be beautiful. Right. But the best is to try to stay in the wild. I think that, you know, wild and in season is going to be really nice and, uh, and, and really good. So that's... Um, right. That's, that's in season is, in is season. the key. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, seafood is really uh, seafood is really good. I mean, I love seafood. Oh, there's one thing we didn't talk about. I call it mixed bag. Bouillabaisse, for a example. Bouillabaisse. So now you go to the store and you have all kind of fish. So you have fish and shellfish and you go bouillabaisse. So what is bouillabaisse? Bouillabaisse is really the poor man's stew. It's like right. Chopino. Chopino. Chopino is in San Francisco. Yep. And then bouillabaisse in, uh, is in Marseille. Which is in the south of uh, south of France. So these and dishes were, weren't they created by the fishermen themselves? Yes, right? they were. The, they were. Because they yeah, would so, take you know, it was like, the, it was the, the bits and odds and ends. That's and it. Make so a the great crabs, dish. The, 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 so you would have crabs, you would have scallops, you would have shrimp, and you have a piece of fish. And, and then you go, oh, I'm going to make this taste good. And they go, oh, we can put some garlic. That's good. Tomatoes. That's good. Well, we get a bottle of white, so let's put a bit of white wine. Oh, very, very good. And maybe some fennel and some aromatics and some spices and boom. And that's it. You had a beautiful stew. So, you know, this is, those are the things also that you can, you can uh, really uh, uh, enjoy. But Mm. you have to remember that every recipe that you're looking at, you should on the book. So you buy a book. They say that you get you get the seafood book, my seafood book. And then you look at it and you go, hmm, okay, I'm going to try this recipe. Do me a favor. Whatever book you're doing or reading and recipe you're getting, write notes on that recipe on in that book. Because maybe you will not like one of those ingredients and you can substitute it. So now you're making your own recipe. And then those books go from generation to generation. And then, I don't know, three generations later, they get that cookbook and they go, oh my God, great grandpa just did, or grandma did that recipe. 
and look at that. This is her note to his notes, and, and that's what life is all about. <laughs> you know, and it's not only a cookbook. It's not only a recipe. It's more than that. Right. It's really a journey, and that's, that's, that's what life is all about. Yeah, a great journey. But have fun. Have fun. You have to, yeah. you have, to have fun cooking. and uh, Right, and people, and don't food. get intimidated. Make a bully base. It's not hard. Like you say, it's just it's a peasant stew is where it derived from. So, and it's it's delicious and it's not hard to do. Same with chipino. And so, what about you know? I just thought of this. Like, okay, so you have fresh seafood and stuff. What about using canned fish for real? Do you have have you ever used any type of canned fish in in say pasta or you know you got anchovies you have yeah the anchovies and I, I, I love sardines I mean you go to, you go to France you have sardines but same thing everybody same thing you need to read your labels right make sure you need it's good to you do your research fish. these days no one has an excuse to say oh my God I didn't know this was bad for me. Well, you could have do the study, which is super easy because everybody has a uh, a laptop or just a, um, a phone or whatever you know. And then you do your you do your research and you know exactly if it's going to be good for you or not. Same thing with frozen fish, with the IQF. IQF fish. Some of the stuff is good. Some is not so good. I mean, if you look at shrimp, for example, you have shrimp. You have a, a tiger shrimp or you know, farm rice properly, and you have tiger shrimp who are not. So you have to do a little bit of research. Um, you know, when I, tra- I traveled to China, and when I saw how uh, some of those um, uh, fish farm uh, operated, I can tell you something, man. You will, you will stop eating shrimp. You will stop eating a lot mm-hmm. of species. Because it's like, holy macarelli, Wow. Look at all this stuff that they're putting in it. But in the meantime, they're selling it to everybody. Right. But, but the thing is, what is the... See, I have a nine-month-old. A ten-month today. Jean-Bernard, my little baby, is ten-month-old, right? And you look at whatever they put and we put in our body can result in illness in, you know, later on. So you, you, you have to make sure that whatever you, you, you eat is... You did research and it's good for you. It's healthy for you. Right. And and probably like you said, you've you've seen some pretty horrific farm methods. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's probably that is reflected on the price, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, you go to the store and see yeah. these these shrimp on sale for uh, you know, six dollars a pound. You know that the quality is probably not there. Yeah. So, you know, best shrimp, you know, you have to look at uh, uh, Mexican shrimp. Very, very good. Yeah. Wild caught Mexican. Everything wild caught usually is going to be good. Hey, the uh, Argentinian pink shrimp. Very good. Wild caught is a new product who came on the market about maybe like five years ago. Yeah. And they cook, they taste a little bit like lobster. It's oh. very, very good. So everyone. So Argentine. Argentinian red shrimp. Red shrimp. Yeah, you should you mm. should look into it. It's not, not very expensive. They, they sell it a bit everywhere. So it's. It's something to definitely look at, yes. So uh, we have Mother's Day coming up. What what could you oh, do for Mother's Day no, if involving you d- seafood? 
you know right now alaskan halibut if you can get some nice alaskan halibut it is so delicious right now i would i would definitely that a lobster you know uh yeah i wanted to also tell everybody because i'm t- my mind is going here you have lobster and alaskan halibut and stuff if you go to the kzmu website uh, by midweek, you will have about 20 recipes that we have selected that would be just really awesome for Mother's Day. Yes, there you go. Yeah, that would be, that would be really a great thing to do. Uh, the other thing is Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, We're talking that's, about, uh, I mean, come when on. Is that? That's uh, in just a few days. So here. how do you so, like your fish taco? Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of ways. I I used to love the the grilled mahi mahi tacos, the fresh mahi mahi tacos. That's it. But then I also like the the, the, the baja the style. Yeah. I think that so. what makes a good fish taco is how you marinate your fish. Okay. And the sauce. And the, the sauce, sauce too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. it has to be super fresh. But yeah, Cinco de Mayo is around the corner, so everybody yeah. gets some fish. I mean, if you if you don't want to have any challenges with Making your own fish taco by cod. The cod mm. will be nice and buttery. You can definitely do it deep fry. You can do it uh, 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 grilled. Uh, all the my 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 is fine too, and it's pretty mm. easy to to find uh, fish uh, over here actually. So there's a few places here who, uh, who are selling some great fish. Right. You know what fish uh, that I really liked that I was exposed to in Santa Barbara that was was the uh, Mako shark. Oh, shark is very good. Shark is very good. Uh, depending on what type of shark, too, though. Because some shark I didn't like so much, the angel shark and that. But the mako shark mm-hmm. eats like just uh, like steak, you it know. It's crustacean. That's why yeah. it's so and good. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's firm. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like swordfish. It, swordfish, uh, swordfish is very good as right. well. But swordfish has to have... It's got to be really that beautiful, I would say, kind of pinkish color. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want a fish who's going to be too big. I mean, I saw swordfish who um, were a few hundred pounds and uh, who had some um, big tumors in it. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, it, yeah. it, it goes to, um, I would say, eat big fish once in a while, eat small fish often. Because yeah. the small fish will have less mercury than the big fish. So your tuna will have a little mercury. Your your tuna, your swordfish, your shark, all those will have a lot of uh, mercury. So there is one thing that we didn't talk about that everybody loves, but we have to be very careful. It's a fish who is um, who is coming back a little bit now, but it was almost instinct, and which is the uh, Chilean sea bass, which oh. is not a sea bass. It's a Patagonian toothfish, and uh, they had a little bit of the same. Uh, uh, they had the same challenge with the uh, um, fish coming from uh, um, oh what I just forgot about it right now coming from uh, uh, New Zealand uh, John Dory John mm. Dory was uh, it's just mismanaged fishery and uh, just that we almost they when we lost it and now it's it's coming back but those are very fatty fish so this is why also everybody loved it so Chilean sea bass uh, you know you have to you have to make sure that. Uh, it's coming from the right place, uh, the right the, the right place, the right location. That it is sustainable. Uh, it's it's very very good. It's very delicious. But it's you know you have to really be careful. Okay, well, uh, it was great talk about fish today. Uh, 
Just, there's so much you can do. Got, there's got the, so much you can do. I mean, yeah. I, I it's 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 um, it's amazing to me. Yeah, and then uh, check out the website for the recipes. Yes, and you'll find something there that uh, you can explore and uh, challenge yourself. But it's easy. Yeah, just. So we're going to talk to you about uh, our also our next show, and our next show is going to be uh, it's going to be in June. And uh, we're going to do barbecue because, yeah. you know, Papa likes his barbecue. I'm Papa. I'm Papa this year, so yeah. I need my yes. barbecue. And also, we want everybody to be ready for for, for July. That sounds great. So, thanks for listening today out there on uh, KZMU. And uh, we'll see you uh, next month, the first Monday of June. And join us then. We'll be talking barbecue. So no. keep on cooking and life is delicious and don't be afraid of seafood. Just experiment and have fun with it. If you have any uh, question, you can also um, send us uh, uh, an email at uh, Show at gmail.com. Take good care. Bye-bye. You can catch Buck and Bernie on KZMU's Airwaves every first Monday of the month at 4 p.m.